This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. Our scripture that was previously read came from the 15th chapter of Genesis, and the reading was from the 1st through to the 6th verse. But allow me, if you will, just to highlight the 6th verse, which reads, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Ruby Hamilton was a businesswoman in her 50s, and she was stunned at the loss of her husband of 32 years. Losing her husband after all this time filled her heart with bitterness and anger and disappointment that went much deeper than any kind of grief she had ever experienced in her life. See, in her late 20s, she became a follower of Jesus Christ. And she prayed for her husband who did not share her faith. She prayed earnestly for all the years that they were together for her husband to find the Lord. And now here she was dealing with the fact that after a 32-year marriage, her husband had passed away. But on one occasion while she was praying for her husband, she felt a peace come upon her that she had never felt before, that she had never experienced But she always felt then that her husband would make it and would be okay. But now that she's dealing with his loss, her heart became bitter towards God. We're reminded in our scriptures that God says he knows the plans he has for us. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us hope. Plans to give us a future. But what do you do when you're Faith doesn't make sense when everything that you have prayed for and everything that you have believed God for does not seem to be materializing or God doesn't answer your questions or he doesn't open doors. What do you do? Ruby Hamilton stopped living for God. Roger Simmons was hitchhiking on his way home and he would never forget the day it was May 7th. His suitcase was heavy and he was tired, anxious to get home, and he stood on the road hitchhiking with his thumb out there while in his army uniform waiting to get home. He had given up hope that someone would pick him up, but out of nowhere a black Cadillac pulled up and the person said to him, listen, how far are you going? Where do you need to go? He says, well, you know, I need to head to Chicago says, well, I'm not going quite that far, but if you come in, I can give you a ride. The stranger in the car introduced himself as Hamilton. They chatted for a little while, and Roger, who was a Christian, decided that he felt this overwhelming sense to share his faith with Mr. Hamilton. And so, just before getting out of the car, he said, Mr. Hamilton, I'd like to talk to you about something very important. He told Mr. Hamilton about the plan of salvation and how God 
through Jesus Christ makes it possible for you and I to be able to reconcile to him despite what we have been through and despite what we are going through. Mr. Hamilton bowed his head, cried, gave his heart to the Lord and responded that this was the greatest thing that could ever have happened to him. Five years went by, Roger got married, had a couple of kids and a business of his own. Packing his suitcase for a trip one day, he stumbled upon the business card of Mr. Hamilton. And he remembered the man who picked him up on the side of the road. And so he decided, let me just call and check in on him and to see how he was doing. He called and the business and he, the receptionist said, it's not possible for you to speak with Mr. Hamilton, but you can speak with Mrs. Hamilton. So they struck up a conversation. And Mrs. Hamilton said, you knew my husband? And he said, yes. He had picked me up one day on a road while I was hitchhiking on my way home. And the wife said, what day was that? And he said, it was May 7th. I'll never forget it. It was the day that I was discharged from the army. Anything special about that day, she asked. And Roger said, sure. I'd explained the, the gospel to your husband. I told him all about God's plan of salvation. And he gave his heart to the Lord right there on the side of the road while we were driving. Where is your husband, Mr. Mrs. Hamilton? I, I want to talk to him. Mrs. Hamilton made him know that her husband had passed away that very same night after he had dropped off the hitchhiker. He met into a bad car accident and that very same night he passed away. Mrs. Hamilton had prayed for her husband's salvation. For over 32 years, she prayed that he would find the Lord. And for all that time, she had no idea that just before his passing, he was able to make his peace with God. See, the point of the story and the reason why I'm telling you is that God knows the plans he has for us. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us hope and plans to give us a future. And while you may not see immediate results, it doesn't mean that God still isn't working. God has given us this wonderful gift of faith. A faith that lets us know that it doesn't matter what it looks like to us. It doesn't matter what it may feel like to us. The truth of the matter is, if God said it, God will do it. And so today, as we look at this man, Abram, we're going to talk about faith and what faith looks like in our lives through the eyes of this man. And so I've titled today's message quite simply, At His Word. At His Word. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time of preaching. We thank you, Lord, that we have this wonderful ministry and this wonderful opportunity to call upon your name. But also, Lord, to know with confidence that if you say it, you will do it. And if we believe it, we will receive it. Be with us now, we pray. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Righteousness is a word that is used throughout the Old Testament, and it always applies to human activity. What this means is that this word is often used in reference to some kind of conduct or behavior that you and I would engage in, conduct and behavior that would have some kind of moral implication. 
So we tend to think of righteousness as God-like or God-pleasing action. And therefore, I can be righteous if I do what God says is right for me to do. But in our passage, Abram is not described as doing anything that would qualify as righteous. In fact, we do see that it was not rather his conduct, but it was his faith that was being counted to him as righteousness. And as the rest of the story makes plain, this faith of Abram does eventually lead him to righteous behavior, but the scripture is clear. It wasn't anything that Abraham did, it was his faith that was counted as righteousness. So let me see if I can give you a brief background on Abraham and where we are. We're first introduced to Abraham in Genesis 12, and we're told that he is one of three sons. Two of his brothers, Nahor and Haran. Haran had a daughter named Milcah, who became the wife of her uncle Nahor, and Haran is the one whose son is Abraham's nephew, Lot. The entire family left a place called Ur of the Chaldeans, and on their way to Canaan, they settled in a place called Haran, where Terah, their father, eventually dies. It is here that God tells Abraham at 75 years old to leave your father's house, leave your family, and go to a place I will show you. Abraham is like, where is this place? God says, go and I will show you. I don't know where I'm going. God says, go and I will show you. So Abraham left with his wife Sarai and his nephew Lot, and they went. Abraham obeyed God and it required real faith. But once in the land, Abraham, his faith was shaken by a famine. And rather than trust what God had told him, Abraham went to Egypt, and there he got himself into trouble. His wife was beautiful, and so there were men, including the Pharaoh, that desired her. And instead of telling, telling them that this was my wife, Abraham said, she's my sister, which again was a way of protecting himself while he continued to inherit the spoils of the land. To make a long story short, it was further uncovered that it was, in fact, Abraham's wife, and they were expelled from the land. But he was expelled with all the wealth he had gained. Soon after, war broke out with all the kings of the region, and eventually Lot, his nephew, was kidnapped and all his possessions taken. When Abraham found out that his nephew had been taken captive, he got his men together. They went after them. Abraham attacked at night, eventually taking back Lot and all of his possessions, the women and all the other people. Abraham again increases in wealth, meets a man named Melchizedek, the, the king of Salem, to whom he paid a tithe. And it is here after this battle that we find our story in Genesis, the 15th chapter. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. Abram went on to say, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir but a son 
who is of your own flesh and blood, will be your heir. He took him aside. He showed him the stars. And he said, listen, if you can indeed count the stars, so shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So here in the text, despite all of his outward success, despite watching God provide for him, make it possible that he could gain enormous wealth, the truth of the matter is... He was pitiful in his response to God. But God said, listen, this is what I will do. And at that moment, Abraham believed God. Childlessness in the Old Testament was viewed as a disaster in the ancient world. Without children, there was no one to carry on your family line or preserve the family inheritance. No one to look after you in your old age. And the tragedy of Abram's situation was compounded by the fact that God had promised him children. But at this stage in his life, it seemed like a pipe dream. Abram thinks that if there is no change in his life, then what God has promised him has absolutely no way of coming to fruition. And Abram will be forced to take matters into his own hands in order to do what? To make an inheritance for himself and his family. My brothers and my sisters, the Lord knows the plans he has for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. Plans to give you a future. The truth of the matter is many of us can identify with Abram. It may not be related to a child of promise. It may be something that God may have spoken to you in your life years ago that you're still wondering if it's even possible that it will come true. My brothers and my sisters, every one of us have been there. We've all been to the place where the things that we want out of life does not seem to be going according to the way we thought it should. But here is the truth. The truth of the matter is faith will always be the difference between the people of God and the people of the world. And the way that you and I ought to respond to God as he speaks his message to us, it is always going to be the critical issues in our lives. What has God said to you? You see, most of us think not about what God has said to us, but what we have said to God. What we have told God we wanted, which may or may not be in alignment with what God has for you. And therein lies the disconnect. I think this is what I want, and therefore I need God to co-sign what I want, whether or not it is good for us or not. Here's another truth, my brothers and sisters. I am glad. I am glad. That some of the things that I had asked God for and was believing God for did not come to pass. You see, we can spend a whole day looking at what we don't have, but miss what we do have. Much of our faith requires us to step out of ourselves and to lean not to our own understanding, but to find the mind of God. And when that comes in alignment with the things that we want, then we will find God's peace. In the middle of the chapter, we find the one most important sentence, I think, or one of the most important sentences in the entire Old Testament. Then he, Abraham, believed in the Lord and he, the Lord, reckoned it to him as righteousness. God had come to Abram in a night vision and promised him the unthinkable. 
You, you see, by this time, Abram and his wife Sarai, they were childless. They were also old and well beyond childbearing age. But God promises that Abram's heir would not be one of his servants according to Abraham's plan for Abraham's life. God says, you will have a son, and you will have a son of your own loins, and that son will be blessed, and you will have the greatest family reunion you could ever imagine. God had promised something impossible to Abraham. Not improbable, but impossible. 80 plus year old people do not have babies. And here it is, God is promising just that. Put yourself in Abraham's shoes. Would you not wake up from your sleep, shake your head and tell yourself, you know, I really shouldn't have eaten that extra piece of chocolate cake. My point is, brothers and sisters, is that we have a tendency to believe that what we know and what we can depend on is the reality of our lives. It is not. Your reality will always be what God says, if God said it, no matter what it looks like. Abraham's unwavering faith is a striking example of how we too ought to trust God. For despite what you may think, God does in fact cause all things to work together for the good of those who he has called and who love him. And the truth of the matter is, brothers and sisters, God knows the plans he has for us. The plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us hope. Plans to give us a future. That's what God's word says. And let me say it another way. You don't know the plans that God has for you. Plans to prosper you and plans to harm and not harm you. You don't know what it is that God has in his mind for you. And our life is nothing more than a journey of discovering what God would have us do. Get yourself out of your own way. I never thought in a million years that I would be standing in a pulpit preaching in the way that I am today. Never thought it in a million years. And if you had asked me many, many years ago that this is something that would cause me to find a sense of fulfillment, I would have laughed at you. Why? Because I don't know the plans that God has for me. Plans to prosper me and not to harm me. Plans to give me hope and a future. I don't know, but God knows, and my responsibility and your responsibility is to what? Simply take God at his word. We often ask ourselves, don't I have to join something or give something or promise something? No, the command is to just believe and take God at his word. The Apostle Paul picks up on this theme in his letters to the Romans and the Galatians. And he says, not only should you demonstrate that we should believe, but you also get to see what happens when you believe in the Lord. Paul emphasizes that when Abraham believed in the Lord, God reckoned it to him as righteousness, meaning that Abraham was brought into a right relationship with God on the basis of his faith. It wasn't anything that Abraham did. It wasn't anything that Abraham planned. It wasn't anything that Abraham even conceived in his mind. It was simply God saying, this is what I will do. And Abraham believed it in faith. Brothers and my sisters, 
This is crucial because when someone poses the question, how can we be made right with God? The kind of answers that often follow are things like, well, you got to go to church or you must obey the Ten Commandments. You ought to read the Bible often and so on and so on. But what I am telling you is that even as we reflect on this passage in Genesis, how can we be made right with God? The answer is that we need to just believe and take God at his word. Abraham didn't have to perform good works. Abraham didn't have to make any promises to God. He simply had to trust God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So there are five things I want to leave with you today on this issue of faith. Five things I want to leave with you. Number one, your faith will always be a response to God's word. Your faith will always be a response to God's word. Faith was not Abraham working up in himself some confidence that God was going to bless him. He, he didn't decide that if he just believed enough that God would give him a son. Abraham simply responded to the promise that God told him and he simply took him at his word. The lesson, if we desire more faith, we ought to get ourselves more familiar with God's word. You can't believe God's word if you don't know God's word. So you must familiarize yourself with the word of God and what God says to his people about his plans for us, for you and for me. So the first thing is you must recognize that faith is always a response to God's word. The second thing I will tell you, brothers and sisters, is that faith is not perfection. It is not perfection. Abraham proves in the 16th chapter that a person can be a true believer, but also mess up. Abraham messed up. If you read his entire story, you'll see that Abraham made a lot of mistakes. He's, he relied on what he saw more often than what God said. My brothers, your salvation does not depend or rely or rest on your performance. So God is not looking for you to be perfect. God is looking for you to be a believer. It is really just that simple. And to become a believer, you have to take God at his word. The third thing to recognize is that faith never gives up. When Abraham was 75 years old, God made a promise to him that he would make him a great nation and that all the families of the world will be blessed through his seed and his descendants. But by the time we get to Abraham at 99 years old, nothing that God had promised him had come through. 99 years old. That's a long time to wait. And it's so Abraham with his 13-year-old illegitimate son, as they say, Ishmael, was still waiting on God. 24 years before the promise had been fulfilled. You see, you and I, we might have been waiting on God for a very long time. And as long as it takes is how long it takes. 
It is really just that simple. Now, I know that that's a hard pill for many of you to swallow, but the point that I'm making is that if God said it, it will and must be fulfilled no matter how long it takes. Let me give you a real rough example. All throughout the Old Testament, there was a promise of this coming Messiah. This promise of this coming Messiah. And it wasn't until Jesus Christ came that that promise was fulfilled. All the prophets of old were looking, from the time of Moses, were looking forward to Jesus' day. But it took that many years for that promise to be fulfilled. While you may not see it in your lifetime, does not mean that God will not fulfill it. So the third point is simply that faith never gives up. The fourth point is that faith is a gift from God. Faith is a gift. As excited as Abraham was about the promise of a child through Sarai, there is no action on Abraham's part that could make this happen before God's time. You cannot make anything happen before God's time. No matter how skillful you are, no matter how much education you have, you cannot make anything happen before God's time. The fulfillment of God's promise is always God initiated, God orchestrated, and God executed. Everything that God does, he does it well and in his own time. And, and, and my brothers and my sisters, because of that, it becomes a gift from, the, from God. Yesterday in my conversation with Reverend James Booker, he said to me, you can never earn a gift. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a gift. So my brothers and my sisters, be clear. Your faith is a gift from God. And last but certainly not least, faith is demonstrated by obedience. James, the brother of Jesus, made this point quite well when he said, faith, if it has no works, is dead. He claimed, I will show you my faith by my works. Faith and works are not synonymous, but good works are the inevitable result of true faith. You work out of your faith, not for your faith. And there's a difference. Abraham was a man of faith. He believed God when the promise seemed impossible. So, going back to Mrs. Ruby Hamilton. She prayed to God that her husband would be saved. And because she thought that her husband had died before he knew the Lord, she walked away from her faith. But only five years later, she met Roger and realized that God had, in fact, kept his word. You see, for Ruby, Roger told her about her husband's salvation, and she believed him, and her faith was restored. She had now taken God at his word word. Likewise with Abraham, God showed him the stars in the sky and asked him if he could count them. And certainly he could not. Obviously he could not. But he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. In other words, Abraham took God at his word. Paul says this, a man is justified or reckoned righteous by faith apart from works of the Lord. How can we be reckoned as righteous? The same way that Abraham was, by faith, by believing what God 
tells us, and what did God tell us? God told us that he made him who knew no sin, meaning Jesus, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God sent Jesus to take sin upon himself. And if we simply take God at his word, if we will simply just believe what Jesus has done for us, if we can have confidence in that finished work, then my brothers and my sisters, it will be reckoned to you as righteousness. Take God at his word. So the question is, what has God said to you in the past that may have brought you to the place of faith? What have you seen in the fulfillment of his promises in your life from the time you were born until now that should compel you to trust him? What more do you need? That's the question. What more do you need to see from God before you realize that you have an opportunity to have your faith counted as righteousness? God has shown us so many things. We've, we've come through high times. We've come through low times. Many of us, we are, should be thankful that we've even made it this far through a pandemic when many people haven't. Don't waste this pandemic. Don't let this be a time where, where people have been suffering and struggling and pressuring themselves to try to make it to the other side. And you have made it to the other side, not through your own strength, but for what God has done. Why? Because he knows the plans he has for us. Plans to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give us hope and plans to give us a future. What more do you need? Abraham believed God. Abraham took God at his word and it was counted to him as righteousness. Jesus Christ said, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. That's what he said. When he died on Calvary's cross, he died so that you and I would have the opportunity to do what? To just believe. Just believe. That's it. So what more do you need? What more do you need to see? Abraham believed God, took him at his word, and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's the message. Take God at his word. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved. <laughs>